Welcome to Pardon the Confusion. I'm your host, Paul Arnold, joined by Ernest Watts. And we're back without football. We sort of have football, right, Ernest? Do you call yeah. it XFL football? XFL? That's football. Of course it's football. And then we'll have USFL in about another month. Football. And then there's, and there's, uh, this is the uh, combines going on this week that I don't watch one moment of. It's the biggest waste of time, maybe more than the all-star games. So withdrawal symptoms are happening to a bunch of people without football, but the XFL has surprised me where the speed of the game and the quality feels more like a, a good college game. Well, last year I thought the USFL felt like um, below that. Do you feel the XFL is playing better than the USFL right now? Well, they've got home fields, whereas last year the USFL played on one field, so you really have the home participation. I, I like the insider status. I do like that it shows that replay doesn't have to take a thousand minutes, that it can be done real fast and real quick. Like, I like watching the, the process, the talking to the umpires, and I know the language is a little rough. And I recognize some of the players. The only mistake they've made is uh, – they made the decision to place a team in Vegas before they had a field for it. And they constantly got turned down. They couldn't play at uh, UNLV's stadium. The Raiders wouldn't let them play in the Aldome. And so they're playing in a converted minor league baseball stadium. And it looks like it. But the others are, are pretty much the, the stadiums. I know the San Antonio I mean, they're pretty much filling the lower bowl in all these, which which gives you a crowd and, and a, again, a rooting interest. It seems more like a football game. And, a, again, it's you've got all the coaches are ex-players. I mean, I, I can see that down the road, I believe that you're going to see some mixture of the USFL and the XFL be a minor league for the NFL to try new rules. What do you think of the rules? What do you think of the, the extra point, uh, three points from the 10, two points from the five-yard line, and two-yard line, one point, extra point, no kick? What do you think of that? So far, I like the rules. Um, they seem to be uh, practical and interesting. I always thought you were going to talk about the kickoffs because when you first see the kickoff, and if you're not familiar with listener, they kick it off, and all the players are lined up at the 30-yard line on either side of the line. And then when the ball goes over their heads, the other team is supposed to run it, so it cuts down on the speed of the players. But what I didn't like is if the kicker messes up, the other, the home team or the receiving team gets it automatically on the 45, which seems a little excessive to me. Um, but all in all, you know, you expect the defense to be dominant early in these games. But the offense has been surprisingly good. Yeah, I would not be surprised now if if they don't kick it on the air between the 20 and the gold line, the, the penalty goes in place. If it's in the end zone, it's on the 20. But I think you might see that in the NFL pretty fast. you got to realize, and you're not as old as I am, that a lot of rules from the AFL were eventually integrated into the NFL, the two-point conversion, the names on the back of the jerseys prior to 1970, the NFL teams did not have names on the back of the jerseys. You know, they made you buy a program. That's how you had to find out. And the, you know, those little innovations kind of opened up for more of a passing. So I see some of this. I mean, we we've seen that already. Replay was in 
the original USFL and that was integrated in the NFL. I think more closer action. I, I, the one that really intrigues me is if you're behind in the last five minutes, you can either onside kick or you get the ball on your own 25 and it's fourth and 15. Ah, uh, that and, seems gimmicky to me. I'd rather, uh, I don't you, know. But you got less than 4% of, I don't know, actually it was less than 2% of onside kicks in the NFL were successful. So, I mean, they've restricted that by keeping, yeah, keep five guys on both sides. It's almost impossible to get an onside kick. It's, it's something exciting. It's, again, that's what you want. Just like the major leagues used the minor leagues last year with their new rules. This is an opportunity to try some things. And some won't work and some will will in that respect. And how, I think it'll make it more exciting. Yeah. How much of the X-File is actually owned by The Rock? Because I they were having the first the game. Whole, whole thing. But it showed yeah. The Rock and his ex-wife and another third guy. And I'm thinking, who's this third guy? Is he a, a silent investor or is he an open investor? But you saying Rock owns the whole thing. Yeah. Uh, uh, the, uh, the third guy is the president. Technically, the commissioner is his ex-wife, uh, who is his agent. Uh, he owns as a collective. There's not individual ownership of teams. Same thing the USFL did, and they, they kind of do that. You know, the original USFL broke up because this guy from New York bought the New Jersey franchise, and, and he invested, he, like, overexpended for Doug Flutie and Herschel Walker and we won't mention who his name was, but he Rise pretty much rump. So yeah, well, he really destroyed the USFL because it was a spring league, and it was getting pretty good ratings, better than Major League Baseball and ABC and ESPN at that time. And they were going to keep it as a spring league, but he wanted to go toe to toe, and he sued the NFL because his belief was that his New York, New Jersey franchise would be absorbed and he would get an NFL franchise much cheaper than trying to buy it uh, from someone in the NFL. And even though they won the suit that, that the NFL is a monopoly, the, uh, it was, uh, the award was a dollar and in, uh, in antitrust suits. And if Dave was here, he could tell you all this. Uh, they treble the winnings, so they walked away with three dollars. Won the suit, lost the war. And you know, if you have a single entity own the franchise, you don't have that. You're gonna have more competitive games. You're not gonna have that guy, that, that Jerry Jones, who wants to buy the best players and outspend all that. So that, that works for, I'm sure he's looking for more and more investors, but they're looking at it as a single entity. And that's the same thing USFL does, which, which helps you with the cost factors. I mean, the, the, their success will be if they finish the season. Well, because I, this is the yeah. third time, and they haven't, the first two seasons, one finished but didn't come back, and the other because of COVID. So I'm going to be the great Konak. Do you remember when right, Johnny yes. Carson... Well, we're screwing out here early, but Johnny Carson, yes. the original t- oh, second Tonight Show host, or third, excuse me, would dress up like a mystic, and he'd hold up oh. an envelope and tell the answer, and and then he'd give you the question. Um, but I think the XFL is going to make it partly because of timing. 
they came right after the Super Bowl when we really needed to have football, before people got caught up with March Madness. And I think that's going to help their traction. And the USFL is going to look like yesterday's leftovers by the time it comes on. And people are going to be distracted with other things. Agree or disagree? You're possibly right. I still think they're going to merge together and, and be a minor league, not operator owned, but with a contractual agreement with the NFL as kind of a testing ground, which is which really what they need. I mean, there's there's probably ten to fifteen more areas that could could operate a minor team, and, and you don't need to put teams in New York. And you don't need to put teams in LA. You don't need to put a team in Chicago. There are metropolitan areas that would support it. And if you look at quarterbacks, that gives them an opportunity to play. It's, it's giving them playing time. And they, you know, they've cut back on the uh, the OTAs now. They don't get to spend as much money. You've got two guys from the last XFL that started in the NFL last year: PJ Walker with the Panthers and Taylor Heineke with the Redskins. And these are guys oh, who oh, got the oh, opportunity. Oh, foul, dropping a flag on Ernest. Did Squat. I say Redskins? Did you say Redskins? You never would have uh, said Redskins. Commanders. Come on, Ernest. All right, I think we better move from the XFL. I think we've probably worn our we've listener worn out. We've worn all out. I, like I said, I think, just closing real quick, like to summarize to the jury, uh, yeah, there's a minor league, and I think it can be successful. I mean, you can't go in with terms that you think are going to match the NFL. But I think that there's enough football interest. And I think the thing that's contributed to it, Paul, more than anything else, is the fall off in interest in college basketball. That has ooh, been dramatic. Ooh, that's a transition right there. So Thank while you. we're doing this podcast, I have to confess to the jury that I am watching Michigan versus Illinois with the sound off and um, muting myself when I want to yell or scream. Um, as Ernest and I have talked about before, it's a young man who OD'd on uh, power drinks playing. He missed the last two games. I think he the, the, I think the he, transfer from Baylor, and I, his name escapes me. But yeah, he, he for Illinois. Go, yeah, for Illinois, and and he drank too much. He got so mad at the loss Sunday <laughs> to Ohio State that he drank, uh, I think, eight or six. <laughs> Red Bulls? I don't know who that is, but there's a lot of guys going in and out for the guy at Illinois. But um, anyway, the guy for Illinois, the coach reminds me of an old line that he is the full Chicago, which means back in the old days when they were salesmen, the traveling salesmen, they'd wear a plaid sport coat, white shoes, and a white belt and slick their hair back. But anyways, that's a real detour. But anyway, Ernest and I talking sports, we've talked about a long time about college basketball has changed so much because of the NBA about plays going early, the transfer rule. Um, it just you never know what you're going to get until they start playing the season. Ernest, do you think college basketball in five years will be more popular or less popular? For a strange reason, I think it's going to be less popular. I think you know it's in its heyday. You would know Lou Henson is the head coach of Illinois because of his haircut, the Lou do. You knew most of the coaches. You knew who the all do you know do you have any idea who's gonna be all American team? Could you name two guys who are gonna be on the all American team? 
Uh, the big dude from Purdue, Edie. Yes. And um, I'm just go Homer on this Hunter Dickerson from Michigan. There we go. Oh, two centers. Yeah, why not? That's... I was gonna say it's in the centers. You you wouldn't say the uh, the the kid plays center for uh, for Indiana. He's pretty good too. But your point is that we don't know the star players like we used to. Oh yeah, I mean, if I asked you who's the best player right now in college basketball, most people could not tell you. And that's that's. It's, I don't know if it's overall talent. I know that the talent is more spread. I know there are more teams capable of winning the NCAAs. But there's, I mean, AD is, is not an exciting player to watch. He has no lateral quickness. He won't even play in the NBA. He's just, he's just slow. And there's no exciting players to watch. The more exciting player... For Purdue is the the brother of the kid playing for Sacramento right now, and it's 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 again there's there's no names that come off the top of your mind. There are no exciting players, and I don't know if it's because the talent spreads so wide. I don't know if the games just have a sense of not meaning that much. But, but even the final, even the, the are you excited about the NCAA's? Well. I've already told everybody I'm a Michigan fan, and they probably already know that. I'm sort of wondering if Michigan's going to even make it. But Michigan's blogs and all the fans are as much talking about if they make March Madness as they are talking about who on the roster is going to go to the pros next year. Because these days, if your dad is a former NBA player or if you've got a really quick, explosive game, they will draft you based on potential. And Michigan has two guys, Jet Howard, his dad, of course, Jawan Howard, who's got a good jump shot and tall, can always get a shot off. And then a guy named Bufkin, who's really explosive and has good hops. So it's this duality thing. Like It's almost like we're the minor leagues again. Now the college basketball has been more like a minor leagues. But I, I just know I, I went to a game this last okay. Sunday of Michigan, and when you're in the arena and it's happening, it's still a ton of fun. Oh, yeah. I mean, it to be experienced, but I think on TV, and I think, I think it's become a regional sport, and there's nothing wrong with that. Hockey is a regional sport. Major League Baseball has become a regional sport. It's not a national sport like the NFL and NBA, and I think that there's something of a loss there because, I mean, one, contracts are all over the place. Every network broadcasts college games. NBA does. NBA, NBC does it, CBS, Fox, and uh, CBS all broadcast games. They're all over the market. I mean, the Big East on Fox and the ACC and SEC on ABC and ESPN and the Atlantic 10 on NBC. I mean, it's just, there's no exciting players. Now, I don't know if it's the standard of playing the, because it, a lot of them adopted the pro offense with four guys outside the three-point line. And one kid to set picks or roll to the the basket, I don't, I can't know if I can really put my finger on it. But there's not that singular talent. Uh, if you know, it used to be you knew you used to see at least a Michael Jordan or a Patrick Ewing for two to three years. I mean, we know Victor Wintanyama is going to go straight to the pros. We know that uh, Scooter Henderson, who would be the number two pick, he's playing for the Ignite, which is the G League uh, team particularly for, for kids that, that are of college age. Uh, I mean, there's no exciting players coming down the road. 
for the college play. I just I'm not saying this because Carolina's having a down year, but but I think another thing and you hit it a little bit is the stars of college basketball are not becoming the stars of the NBA. There's only one guy on Carolina's team who's who's going to make uh, the pros. Love? No, love won't make it. Baycott won't make it either. Uh, it's the, the you know it's the number one guy who's been playing five years because he plays defense because he's six foot nine. Nance? No, 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 no. Nance won't make it either, and I'll have to look up the name. That's because of old age here. Black? But, yeah, Leaky Black will be the pro. I thought you'd be impressed. I could name the starting lineup for. But that was impressive. Uh, yeah, Leaky will be the pro because he's six nine, six ten. He can play defense and hit the three pointer. But he's not the star on the team. He, you know, it's it's like remember the kid that played at Iowa two years ago was player of the year. Started with uh, a G, like Garza. Yeah, or something? yeah, yeah. Garza, Garza, Luis Garza. Okay, he's bouncing between the G League and the pros, yet he was the player of the year. We haven't had a college player of the year be a legitimate NBA pro in years. Williamson is the closest thing we've had. Yeah, and again, he played half a season. That's, that's just it. I mean, there's, no, there's a disconnect. It's almost like a different game. And I, I have no problem with it being a regional sport. I see a lot of Southeastern and a lot of ACC basketball. And occasionally I catch the Big Ten, and I've probably seen only two Pac-12 games this year. But, but there's a regional. I mean, again, I can name you 30 teams, and I would not be surprised that any of them will wind up being uh, national champions. But, but there's no star power. Truly is no star power. Yeah, Purdue's led by a seven foot four guy who basically just posts up and throws hooks. Well, we lament about how bad it is, but once March Madness starts and starting the upsets get going, plus we you know can't get away from work or we want to get away from work to see that first weekend of games, then it starts. You know, you have a lot of interest. People are talking about it at work. You're filling out brackets. It's a social phenomenon almost, and I I think in the five years. College basketball will not be more popular now. I think it'll be a little bit less. Less, yeah. But I think not, it'll be a not horrible. Sport. It's it's just going to be what it is. Um, here, let, here, I'll give you another indication of how mundane in the background NCAA basketballs become. Who's the second best team in the Big Ten? Well, there's a tie. There's like five teams. Yeah, so, but which one would be a major story any other year? Iowa? The fact that Northwestern is tied for second. Oh, that's true. That Collins has really done a great job coaching down there. But but Northwestern, which has only been to the NCAAs one time right. in 100 years. And normally a story like that would be leading on ESPN. CBS would be talking about it. That would be the biggest story around. The fact that they were, I don't think they're ranked anymore, that they were ranked for a period of time. And again, it's kind of like, Blase. I mean, you, Kansas is the only tried and true team that, and they're going to have a difficult time getting the number one seed at their conference. But Alabama is the best team in the SEC. Miami's is the best team in in uh, ACC. The Big East. Villanova's losing games right and left. All I right, mean, so a major you power. you love culture and athletics when they intersect. All right, here's your trivia right. question for tonight. 
Okay. What famous comedian son played for Northwestern? Uh, Julie, well, Julie Louis-Dreyfus. Right. There you go. Bing, bing, bing. That, yeah. I mean, they got more, as much attention because of that showing her in the crowd as they got for making the tournament. But it just is the way it is. On some years, you have a good Cinderella story. And I think they'll talk that up later on. Um, but let's move on. Let's move on. Oh, let's talk well, to I, I had a quick trivia question for you because you were so smart about this. <laughs> so okay. smart. Who were, the, who were the two hosts of The Tonight Show prior to Johnny Carson? Um, Jack Parr and uh, Allen. Uh, what's his name? Um, Steve, Steve Allen. Allen. Steve Allen, yeah. Underrated uh, contributor to the medium of television was Steve Allen. He he was very funny, and he had he had the collection of stars around him, like uh, Don Knotts and some other guys. Louis Nye. Yeah, but l- how many people listening know? First of all, they might know Don Knotts because of Mayberry, but they're not going to know Louis Nye. I know and, Louis and, Nye. And don't forget Bill Dana. Can I say Jose Manis? Is that in trouble <laughs> for that these days? That wow. So that's really skewing. Let's jump to another right. sport that's sort of decreasing in popularity, and they're trying some in- innovative things. We talked about a little bit last time. Baseball is finally in spring training, and they have the clock ticking on the guys stepping in and out of the box. I've been waiting for this. I've been so annoyed for years how the players have to adjust every pad on their whole body before every pitch. And finally, we're getting it. You in favor it or not? Oh, yes. I've, I've seen games, and they've all been under two and a half hours. I mean, they've knocked a good 30 minutes out of the game. I know Manny Machado came out beforehand, and, and he actually took a strike on purpose. Got went out. You know, they have to be in the box. On the, the pitch clock is 15 seconds, normally 20 seconds if there's a runner on base. They only get three throws to first base. And if the batter is not in the box with eight or less seconds, then they're assigned a strike. If they throw too many times over first, it's considered a balk, and the runner advances. If they don't pitch within the 30 seconds, uh, the 20 or 15 seconds, it is uh, a ball. The bases are six inches wider which they think that'll make a difference. You know, they used to make that old joke. If first base was one inch closer, how many guys would be safe with all those plays, close plays at first? And uh, the infielders have to be on the dirt, two on one side of, of second base, two on the other Yay. side. So they can shift within those parameters. Uh, you cannot, you can take a, infielder no 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 i don't get this right you can bring an outfielder to the infield to be a fifth infielder but you cannot put an infielder in the outfield to be a fourth outfielder this is not softball i am so glad they made that rule i'm so tired of seeing those over sweats are you going to see left-handed hitters i mean their their value is going to shoot up and you know if if, if i think they you know the first game, I think, was played in Camden Yards. They told me it was only two hours. I mean, this is something that's happened over the last 25 years. Of course, they've slapped advertisements, commercials. But now, you know, they're going to have advertisement on the jerseys. 
They've already got the ads on some, not all the teams have acquired ads, but they have ads. Like I think, uh, who was the White Sox had to move the the little um, a little White Sox off of one sleeve and put it the other for their advertisement. But we're seeing that in hockey, you know, we see it in basketball. I don't I don't consider this to be the end of the world as it is for them to have ads. I guess because I've seen enough soccer games and enough uh, FIBA basketball that the idea of ads on jerseys. I mean, you know, if it's a uh, Ladies' sanitation product on the Yankees jersey, it won't bother me at all. I mean, that's okay. So we like these changes, but how much is it going to really move the needle? Is it going to really make a big difference, or is baseball going to be regional and lose its grip on the top, you know, but it used to be NFL and the baseball and NBA. Now it's NFL, NBA, and maybe baseball. Well, you know, historically, if we look back to other sports, and that's, that's, that's the parameters we try to judge these things in. When other sports have attempted to make these drastic types of changes, you've seen them do it for a while, and then they kind of progress back to the mean. When the NFL tried to get the left uh, wing trap, and for those of you not fluent in hockey, basically they put four guys at the blue line, and it they it interfered. Basically, it was interference. You couldn't get past that when the puck got into the opposing zone. Uh, they called it for like the first two months, but when they got to the playoffs, they started doing it again. The NBA was going to crack down on moving picks, on traveling. Uh, if you've seen an NBA game, you've seen guys take five steps for a layup. And they did for a while, but then eventually they all go back to the mean. The NFL was going to get uh, a little bit more selective on Pass interference. Remember, they're going to let you uh, review pass interference calls. And again, after a while, we went back to the same old stuff. So my only fear is because the objections is only been one person, Machado. And considering he just signed for $11 million until he's 42 years old, he ought to be a happy camper and not worry about this. Uh, I, I mean, the pitchers like it. I know the pitchers like it because they hate standing at the mound waiting for pitchers to go down. I think you're going to see, if they stick with it, and that's a big if, you're going to see left-handed batters with higher averages. I think you're not going to see as fast pitches. I think pitchers have to throw more often. They're not going to get the rest to be able to throw. I don't think Verlander throwing 90 in the ninth inning this year well max scherzer says he loves it because it gives more power to the pitcher the pitcher's more in control it, yeah i mean the, the, there's a codicil to it the pitch clock's not on the the catcher the catcher's not in the box to catch the ball the clock doesn't start i think you're gonna see some changes i think averages are gonna go up i think you're gonna see more balls in play and that's the whole idea is they wanted to see more action because it used to you know the the outrunning joke about football is a football game takes three hours, but essentially you're only seeing 20 minutes of action. And in baseball, there, for the last 10 years, there have been more walks, home runs, and strikeouts than, than hits. And I think you're going to see more stolen bases. I think those extra six inches between first base and second base, I think you're going to see more stolen bases, more. And less more, injuries, say, right? More, yeah, more Whitey Herzog-type baseball. There's Be a name for 
past. Be- because if you have a bigger base, then the hopefully there's more room for the the runner to get to the base without uh, step being stepped on or run over or and then stealing bases like you can go to the backside of the base a little better. Um, I like that a lot, but I'm not convinced that's gonna ch- make the big enough change. Especially we've always talked about the younger crowd growing up. Is baseball ever going to be as much of a passion as was for us growing up? And it's not. It's going to be a different type of deal. So a regional, a regional sport. I mean, the only thing that gives me a little bit of onus to think they might be serious about this is remember the Buster Posey rule they put in about four years, five years ago. The idea that catchers could not block the plate anymore right. because of injuries. Yeah, and they've stuck with it. They have they have not backed off. Uh, catchers have complained, managers have complained, but I you know there's there's a courage to at least try something, and a lot of this comes from Theo Epstein. Theo is the brains behind all this, and he's the one that got it in the minor leagues last year, and it was a great little experiment. Theo must be a little smarter. You can get the Cubs, the Red Sox to win a World Series. He must know what he's doing. So I like I'd rather try something and it fail horribly than just the old this is the way we've always done. I know old people don't speak this way. I'm a an anomaly when it comes to old people, but I do like change. I, I do like change because things change. And if it's for attention for kids, all well and good, okay. But yes, there's nothing wrong with being a regional sport. Like I said, that's the NHL. That's in college football, NFL, and NBA are the only national sports. And then the fact that whoever's playing for the championship, people will watch. Yep, yep. So now we're going to move on to another sport that is pretty popular in my area of the woods. So uh, in Michigan. Mine, Detroit, mine too. Mine too. Well, okay, we're going we're gonna to get there. We're going to get there. Okay. I okay. know you can't wait to talk about your hurricanes, but uh, – Traditionally, the Red Wings has been a powerhouse for many, many years, and they've really had a down, a long down stretch right now. And they brought in Steve Eisman to rebuild. He did a great job with the Lightning. He's slowly but surely doing it. And today, he traded away Tyler Bertuzzi, who was asking for too much money. He was sort of a a character. He would not play or wouldn't get the vaccine, so he couldn't play in Canada for a while, and that really set wrong with a lot of people here like two years in a row and then so he, he's the Kyrie of the NHL well not that bad he was a really nice guy hard-working guy when he played hockey he'd take out his front two teeth and went out and played and people liked that he was hustler he would he was a good guy around the net um, he would do some garbage goals but in general when he was on the ice he was a good player and they traded him away today and when they interviewed Dylan Lark and the captain who they just signed to extension it was really it showed a difference with sometimes hockey players and other sports, and I'm biased here because I grew up playing hockey, but Larkin was choking up because he so much cared for uh, Bartuzzi as a player, as a guy, and will miss him. And hockey players are super tough on the ice, but they're really like I'm a this is I'm tinted here, but they really see it as they're a band of brothers when they're in the locker room and traveling a lot together. I mean, at the end of the game, you shake their hand and you get up, you know, you keep going. So, did that trade surprise you? Do you see any other hockey teams, maybe even your Hurricanes team, 
doing good trades now to make a good run. Oh, yes. I love the idea of the Bruins picking up more talent. That just makes things better and better. It's called sarcasm, folks. Let me address bum, bum, you bum. first. The issue about the, the sense of, of, of brotherhood in hockey, I think when you look at it, in the NBA, guys travel with their own entourages. They have their own groups. In football, there is so much division between offense and defense. They collectively don't even know each other. Baseball, just the pure nature of 162 games, I'm sure they get on each other's nerves all the time. Hockey has it a little bit. It's a smaller group. It's 25, uh, you know, 20 to 25, usually 20 active players. And it's a shorter season. It's half of baseball. Uh, they travel on cold weather. So, you know, some places they may play golf. But they spend a lot of time together. And I think there is a, a fellowship and brotherhood in hockey that you don't see in the other sports. And I think, again, it's the nature. It's the physicality. I mean, it's the biggest complaint in baseball is pitchers don't uh, throw at other batters when they get hit. Uh, their own team hitters. And in hockey, there's a sense of uh, we are one collective and no one picks up on anybody on our teams. And it's unusual because you have a mixture of, of different cultures. You have Americans, you have Canadians, you have uh, Slavs, you have. Uh, some Russians, you have some people from, from uh, Scandinavia, a few Germans. I mean, it's, it's again, but, but I've always fascinated how much they can uh, uh, understand and, and bridge the culture. I mean, uh, I listened to Lindquist, used to be the goalie for Rangers, and he does the in-between periods for that. And he, he speaks almost perfect English with no Swedish accent whatsoever. These guys... Again, they're not paid as high collectively as the big four as the others. And I think that, that bonds that to a large extent. Uh, when it talks to the trades, the Rangers have just bought everybody. I mean, that's pretty – they got Patrick Kane, the all-time American score uh, from the, the Blackhawks. It's the only team he wanted to go to. Uh, they picked up uh, the kid from St. Louis, uh, Tarasov. Uh, I mean, they're just loaded. I was looking at their four lines, and there's an all-star in every one of their lines. Now, the, the goalkeeping's been a little spotty for them, and they can't catch the, the Canes. The Devils are the only team that can catch the, the Canes right now, but the Hurricanes have pretty much stayed put. They've picked up a few guys that have been disappointments of the place. They've, they've had a history of that. Khomeini is the guy. They got from the Canadians, and he was considered. Uh, they picked him as free agent. He was a disappointment, and he's going to fit into the model. They're a fairly young team, except for for uh, Stahl. Uh, the goaltending. They've got a kid on the in, down in Chicago that came up a couple times this year has two shutouts. Uh, the big thing we were proud about was the outdoor game against the Capitals. Uh, that sold out faster than any other outdoor game all time. And the tickets averaged 360 apiece. And we were lucky enough to get good weather and good ice on that. So it's, it's a proud franchise. It's a franchise that has a pretty good mixture. The only problem is we don't have that superstar. Everybody was wanting them to try and get Kane. or, But they have kind of stayed that they don't want to get rid of the young talent. I mean, they collectively... 
the collective talent is as good as anybody, even in Boston, but they don't have that superstar, that Bergeron that, that like the, the Bruins have. And the Bruins, at the rate they're going, it's probably they're going to set the all-time record for points and wins in a season, which you got to look at because now we have don't have ties, we have shootouts. Whereas the record of the great Canadian teams and flyer teams of the last century, it's not easy to compare. And and whereas the NHL is kind of the mirror image of the NBA, the East is packed. I mean, you, you're going to have to have at least 100 points to make the playoffs in the East, whereas the West is just weak. Uh, I mean, Seattle is the big surprise team. They're going to be in the playoffs. It's, it's, it's an exciting team. Every team has a star. I like the coverage of TNT. I like the coverage of ESPN. I think both of them have embraced the sport. And it's good to see Gretzky and, and, and Messier as, as commentators. And it's, it's going to be wide open. Um, the Bruins have the pressure that it's been 20 years since the President's Cup team won the Stanley Cup, even though with the talent they're accumulating. And Ullman uh, is going to be the Vezina Trophy winner. He's Olmark, excuse me, Linus Olmark, who is their goalie. Uh, he has just been astounding, and and uh, I'm spoiled in that I have ESPN Plus, which means I can see every hockey game, and I I check out the other teams and my Canes all the time. But it's it's been a uh, it's an exciting. It's it's all my other teams are like uh, doing very very poorly in sports, so it's exciting to watch the Canes and the mixture of young talent they have. And I'd, I'd say. Give your Red Wings a chance. Listen, you had the 90s. Y'all were spoiled, okay? You had the early you had the early part of this century. You had the 90s when you dominated with, with the, the Russians, some of the great all-time teams. Ernest, that was lucky. 30 years. 30 years, Ernest. 20 years ago. I, I went in. No, no, 90s. It, we're in 2023, right? Yeah, but okay, the best team they had was... Oh, 25 years, maybe. The best thing was the 2001 team where they had Hasek and Goalie and, 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 and Hull, Brett Hull, and and all the other... all the. I mean, I, I've got a, I pulled out the scorecard for that Stanley Cup game I went to in 2001. And I there are 18 Hall of Famers that were on that red wing. I know we got spoiled. That, that we got spoiled greatest. like the Yankees. There's no doubt. But I want to transition a little bit um, as we got to wrap up this podcast, and I'm going to talk a little bit about my feel good story of the week, and then I'll give you time to wrap up whatever you want to wrap up with. Um, and I don't even know if we haven't even talked about any TV or movies because I don't think anything's come out. But I'll give you some time to think about it. My feel good story of the week is a guy named Chris Kirk who won. Uh, the Honda Classic, and he say, well, so what? He's a rich golfer. He won the Honda Classic. Well, it's a little more dramatic than that. He hadn't won in about eight years. He told the whole world after he won that he thanked his family for standing by him when he got sober and when he got his life back in order. And he won it after almost messing up on the 18th hole. This guy couldn't be more peaceful, more calm, more introvert. But he told the whole world that how you know he's in recovery and his family stood by him. And I thought that was really 
a good story. Sometimes you think uh, just because somebody's a professional athlete, they got it made and they're living the best life ever, but not always. So that's my feel good story of the week brought to you by Progressive Insurance. All right. Oh, okay. Well, I'm, I'm for my last, I'm going to do a little media. Okay. A little, uh, uh, the Mandalorian season three has started actually season three and a half because they were in on yeah Boba uh, Fett Boba Fett too so it's season three and a half and uh, the last season of Picard has started there are two episodes three episodes in and this one seems to feel more like the TV show you can actually pick this up if you didn't watch the first two seasons and it's it's all the old crew and uh, the the uh, and I'm spoiler here the 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 protagonist the villain is uh dr moriarty uh, it's a hologram from the original series boy they didn't expect ooh, that coming either ooh, didn't expect nice. that uh also i caught a nice little series if you get an opportunity it's on amazon it's called three pines it's with alfred molina who you may remember from indiana doc ock uh it's set in Quebec on a Native American reservation. And it's a, it's a procedural, a detective procedural. There are only eight episodes, so it's pretty easy to contain. But he does a, he's a different kind of detective that uh, kind of, like I said, I hate to spoil it, but it's, it's well done. Uh, it's highly recommended. So if you have Amazon, check out Three Pines. It's a procedural, but something else. It, it deals with some questions or worries we have about life itself in that, that respect. I have not Ooh, seen deep. Megan, which is on Peacock. I don't know if that, it seems like it'd be a female version of, of Chucky in that respect. Oh, we've got to do Oscars before the, the 15th. We have to do all Oscar picks. That's the next podcast. That's a tease, right? Okay, yeah. I think I would say that the Oscars has lost momentum like college basketball, but that's uh, for next week or next time. Next time. Well, I think a lot of I think they tried to include some of the more box office hits. No, that's for next time. Wrap up this week. Okay, okay. Sorry, sorry, sorry. A tease. A tease. It's a tease. Okay. It takes a lot for us to tease at our age, so good job. Yes, or to remember the tease next time. That's the other. (laughs) What tease? What tease? Movies? What movies? (laughs) So any other wrap-ups for you? No, that was Any famous sports person died this week? No, no one has. Oh, Jerry Richardson died today, the founder of the Uh, Panthers. That's that's more infamous. (laughs) Uh, He actually caught a touchdown in the 19... 59 NFL championship from uh, John Unitas. He was he was the second NFL player to own an NFL franchise. Who is the other one? George Hallis. Ta-da! No more calls. We have a winner. And I understand the Lions are getting new uniforms and new helmets. Oh, really? I didn't know about the new helmets. Yes. I know that the GM is trying to Per, say the team is like villains, like they're trying to get a dark edge to them. Yeah, with like, black on it, making black. That's, that's yeah, I guess so. Yeah, but you've had the same logo 
forever. I mean, oh, they tweaked the logo a couple of years ago, but not majorly. So they're still the leaping lion. I mean, it's, it's the same thing. I know they put outlines on it, and, and again, don't don't go away from the hollow hollow little blue and the silver. I think that's a singular in that way. In yeah. Those I mean, there's certain teams. No other pro team would dare take those colors. <laughs> You know, silver and blue, they work out pretty good. Well, you had the Chicago Blitz of the USFL in the 80s try those same color. The Houston Oilers, they had a little dash of red in it. The original Love You Blue. Yeah, there you go. All right, Ernest. We've lapsed into old man talk. Sorry. Yeah. (laughs) Your final good words for tonight? Uh, Wisdom from the sage one? uh, Okay, here we go. Uh, you can't change tomorrow. We don't know what tomorrow brings. We can't change. You can't change yesterday. We don't know what tomorrow brings. Uh, enjoy right now. Today's a present, right? Yes. That's, that's, oh, now you're doing, you know what you're doing now. You're doing a TV show. Ted Lasso. <laughs> Ted Lasso says there's a reason because Ted Lasso's expression was, there's a reason why they call it a present because it's a gift. So Ted Lasso is a like all the Zig Ziglar motivational talk that pastors and other guys have used for years. So sometimes when I hear my son talk about Ted Lasso, I said, I've heard that before. I've heard it yes. for years. Yes. The intriguing part of it is he suffers from crippling depression and anxiety. So he, that's, that's, you know, every character, they have to put that shading on it when you do writing on television or movies, for that say. And they creatively have, have crippled him because he feels like he's a failure because uh, he not doing as well this sport as he did at football and the fact that his marriage has fell apart and he, he is separated from his son by an entire ocean. And so he has crippling anxiety and depression, but at the same time, uh, like most of us, we are easier to dispense advice than take advice from ourselves. We tend to uh, judge ourselves more harshly. We tend to have guilt for things we can't do anything about. And that's, I think that's the nature of the character itself. It could have easily been, Paul, a TV show about a fish out of water, which has been used so many times before. But I think and and this is the same guy. It's it's Bill, and I forgot his last name. It's the same guy who does did Scrubs. Uh, Bill Lawrence is the producer, and uh, the guy with the beard. He's one of the producers, also the tough, rough character. Uh, I think they went a step further, and this would have worked even if he wasn't the fish out of water. And they got past that the first couple of episodes, the differentiation between England and America. And went into the idea of, 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 we look at these bright, cheery people, these positive people, these Zig Ziglers, as you say, these affirming people, these optimistic people. And many oftentimes we, we don't acknowledge that they're going through the same uh, trials and tribulations and, and fears and self-doubts that the rest of us. Well, that sounded better than that original one. I gave. <laughs> yeah, there's a uh, a theory called the shadow self. What's what's on the other side when you're not feeling optimistic, the dark side of a personality. But that's been used in movies for a long time. 
And we're going to start wrapping up after that. And <laughs> uh, hope that you've enjoyed today's podcast. If you got questions, comments, concerns, or just want to join us, who knows? We might throw a guest host in there too. Email me at gobluearnold at gmail.com. So for Ernst Watts, this is Paul Arnold. And good night. Bye.